This particular episode of Mike the Truth may answer a lot of your questions about the paranormal. I have talked about this for a while, and finally, the author of the book, Remember, Every Breath is Precious, my friend and intuitive, Leslie Joan Lupo. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm the one that's honored to have you here. But, um, Leslie, there's so many things we can touch upon about the paranormal. Let's do a few parts, like three or four parts of this, okay? Because we won't be able to cover it all in one day. So, mm -hmm. let's just go ahead and label this one part one, shall we? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. The book, Remember Every Breath is Precious. You had, and by the way, your book is awesome. You had an experience, uh, a point in your life. You were an atheist, and you got caught in a stampede of horses. Now, I can only imagine what happened to you and the anguish you've been through. So, kind of give everybody an idea about your experience about that whole ordeal. Okay. Um, this was, I was working and living on a dude ranch, which is a hotel with horses. And... Um, I was married to the owner, so I did a lot of different jobs as needed. We had a cowboy that was not feeling well, so he went home, and I jumped in to help with the riding program because it was in March and it was our high season. We were very, very busy. And at the very end of the day, we were unsaddling, and we had a couple of horses get out and run down to the hay barn with their saddles on. Mm -hmm. And that can really hurt a horse because one of the things they love to do is roll around on their backs once they have their saddles off. We brush them and put them out, but sometimes they'll roll on their backs and you're afraid that if they roll with the saddle on that they could hurt the, their back, they could break their back. So I ran down to get them. And there was another ride coming in at 3 o'clock and... I was trying to get back up with the horses before three. Right. And I felt really lucky because they were standing right next to each other, you know, packed in with about 80 other horses eating. But you couldn't put a playing card between them. They were that tight. Mm -hmm. So I started to try to wiggle in between them and got up to where the saddles were and I couldn't get past because the saddles were leather, it wasn't their slick hair. So I turned around and I grabbed the back of the saddle mm -hmm. and decided to see if I could push my way past the stirrup because that's what I was getting tangled up on. Right. And at the same time, one of the horses screeched because something scared him and then all of the horses started running. I got spun around, my arm went through the stirrup all the way to my shoulder, and I fell as mm. they were running, mm -hmm. and then was struggling to get to my feet as my body was going through this. But the interesting thing is, right before the horse screeched, and I was struggling to push myself through, my mind at the time, I would have thought, popped out of my body and stood watching all this struggle from about 10 or 15 feet away. Oh my. And I was very shocked because 
I, I didn't comprehend why my consciousness had left my body. And I witnessed this panic and all the things I just described, I was watching. But the interesting thing was I felt very peaceful within mm -hmm. myself. I didn't feel anything abnormal. I felt loved and I felt love. And I felt this serenity that um, I didn't have time to wonder about because things were going on as I was watching myself caught in this stampede of horses, mm -hmm. being kicked at and then finally slammed into the concrete and metal part of the hay barn. And then I watched my body, the horse take another step with me hung up in the stirrups and finally my, you know, very uh, loose body fell mm -hmm. like a sack of potatoes. And the interesting thing was, I knew I was dead. It wasn't as if I thought, I'm dreaming this or I'm hallucinating this. I knew that I was, my body was dead. And I actually started giggling because I felt so different. It was almost like so much lighter and without any pain or without any problems. If someone had witnessed my death, if there had been someone else around, they would have said, oh my gosh, she suffered horribly from all the screams and the fighting I was doing to stay alive. Well, the way, the way you described it, I mean, that, it's unimaginable, yeah. you know? Yeah, and um, yet I felt only peace and love, and all my senses were heightened, my hearing, it was Almost like everything was unplugged. My vision was perfect. My hearing was perfect, but bigger than before. I could see better than before. Right. Um, the sense of smell, the peacefulness as the horses went back. Now, way up in the barn behind me, the, the cowboys are unsaddling. And then I see the last ride come in. Right. And they're, they're coming in at three. And I watch them with such lovely nostalgia like if you went back to your grade school and you thought oh this is the desk i sat in and you'd have such nostalgia for these beautiful memories you know the best memories from your childhood if you got to go back and walk in them right. because everything was love and i watched the cowboys come in and i thought there are two rides coming up but oh i know what they're going to do and the last cowboy drew will padlock the gate and then, you know, everything started shifting hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 you and I have shared, or at least I've shared, and uh, you understood my near-death experience. Mm -hmm. And yes. it makes me sad, and it makes me just, you know, I'm an inquisitive guy. You know that, because, you know, I ask a lot of questions. But my experience... I don't recall the suffering part like you did because I was pretty much unconscious and I was pretty much gone. I, I flatlined three times on the table, but I did see myself and them working on me. And then as I was ascending to that light, as I told you before, then I was being pulled back. And, you know, you and I talked about the probably the reason why another second chance, but... Leslie, I, I have 
no words about the way you went the first time. You know what I mean? And I really understand why you say dying taught me how to live. And it's just amazing the things that are we consider paranormal. And remember the conversation we had where I would hear and see things and being touched. I mean, could you elaborate? Yes. Could you elaborate on some things? I know you've experienced some things like that, haven't you? Yes. Um, when I was very little, I could see other people in the room. Is what how I would have explained it. Right. They were very kind of lit. They were lighter. They kind of glowed, I should say. And I would be four and five and six, and I would see them. Mm-hmm. And I remember quite young to realize no one else saw them because I would have reactions from my family if I started talking to them. They would, um, uh, my one grandmother came and started to try to put like hot, cold water up. She thought I was in the sun too much. Uh, my great grandmother <laughs> saying to me and this woman, Really, but that's the only connection I I remember because because she could see this. My grandmother was singing to me. My great grandmother. Right. We we were baking. I was like four or five, and she would touch my nose. And she was Sicilian, and she didn't speak any English, so she would sing to me these little ditties. Right. And touch my nose, and touch my cheek, and pinch my cheek, and you know. So there was a song that had to do with something in your nose because that's all I could do with knowing. But I just loved her. She was so loving. And then she started looking above my head, singing. And I turned, and there was someone behind me. This is the first time I saw someone. Right. And then um, she was singing to both of us. And then when I turned around again, the lady was gone. I didn't know who she was. Hmm. And I didn't really pay attention. I was with my great grandmother. We were making cookies, and I was waiting for the cookies to come out. My grandmother was cooking the cookies. Right. The second time was with my grandmother my mother's mother and we were gardening and that's when i started talking to this other lady and my grandmother said there's no one there hmm. then you know a couple of times i would have other little visions and i learned very quickly that no one else could see them and you know you'd get teased about it or um so then i just kind of shut that down right and so you do have the ability to get messages from the other side. Now, in the olden, olden days, children that were gifted like that, where they were being raised in cultures and communities, that the elders would see this and they would bring the child to an appropriate teacher. Right. And so in the, um, I believe in reincarnation and what we're talking about is a very old soul. Talking about someone who is um, kind of beyond the normal intuition. And right. intuition is just merely sensing the magnetic field. Now, all animals on the planet that go and migrate are very sensitive to the uh, magnetic field. And they know north and south. And that's how they migrate. They can sense it. 
It's they a, did it's, a lot of studies with dogs. How amazing. do they know when someone's afraid? Yeah. Now that we can see the magnetic field, because mm -hmm. the body generates energy. I mean, every human, every living thing generates energy, like a little tiny, tiny, tiny sun. And that field of energy mm -hmm. is really tight against the body when we're afraid. And when we're very peaceful and happy, it's widespread out around us. Mm -hmm. So it expands and contracts. That's biology. That's that's not woo-woo or paranormal. That's just us understanding the magnetic field. Okay. Well, I got For example, how do animals know when earthquakes are coming? Because the magnetic field, where the pressure point is, is letting out a big sound that they can hear that says, I'm about to pop. Mm -hmm. Get out of town. And we can't, we, we're not evolved that much. But there are certain humans that do have vision or taps on the shoulder. And traditionally, those have been the children that were brought to the spiritual teachers yeah. to teach them that, okay, you have a little bit stronger vision here or perception here, and here's how to use it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. Okay. And... You know, I'm I'm not going to let the total cat out of the bag, but a few weeks ago, you and I had a conversation. You remember when I said I was feeling real heavy? Something, yes. something's really, something's really going on. It's and, and 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 it happened. And we don't have to rehash that particular event, but it did. And I was actually sick. I was it, the weight was so heavy on me. But Leslie, I mean, it's just like. Here's a question for you, like finding your own inner divinity. How, how, how would one go about that? Well, it, it still is um, through prayer and meditation. In other words, a lot of things have shifted in the last couple hundred years, especially in the last 50 to 60 years, mm -hmm. in which we, um, we have to begin to open this energy in us without a teacher specifically mm -hmm. in other words a hundred years ago if you were born into a native american family you would have been put in with the medicine people mm -hmm. or a shaman or if you were born in the 1500s into a, a loving catholic family you would have been put into the priesthood right. because people that were spiritually advanced were noticed by the culture and the community and they were given the teachings that helped them accelerate that inner divinity but there's a big kind of movement to cut out the middleman mm -hmm. and go directly within and a lot of um like i was talking about how animals can sense mm -hmm. a um earthquake about to happen the difference, and this is really important, is that we can have imaginary fears driving us, or, in, like in your case, we can be sensing that there's an earthquake about to happen. Right. And it makes us heavy because it's hard to have that knowledge and not be able to warn people about the impending earthquake. Gotcha. And 
it's also hard to process it and release it. In other words, one of my teachers had a very long elk bone that he had carved and he had little string with beads on it around and it was his way of blowing off the negative energies right. from the people he was working with. He was a medicine man. And he wasn't teaching me how to be a medicine person. I would have worked with women for that. Right. He just happened to be someone that was thrown in my path. And he explained to me what I was going through because I was going through this inner awakening. And this was way back in college days. And he, um, the divine brought him into my life to explain to me right. because he was saying... You are taking things onto yourself to cleanse the world, like a vacuum cleaner. You're taking it off of people. I was training to be a psychotherapist. Right. And he said, you have to blow it off of them. And he showed me this uh, beautiful bone. And today I call it a leaf blower rather than a vacuum cleaner. We didn't have leaf blowers at the time, or at least I didn't know about them, and nor did he. Right. And so... Um, the concept is when we get this heaviness like you were experiencing, mm -hmm. it's time when we have to become the channel of light and blow it off rather than pull it on. Because most empathetic, you know, people that have empathy, most spiritually advanced people kind of try to suck it all into themselves because that's the way we work. When If, if you were sitting to next to one of your best friends and they just had started sobbing because they were going re recalling something right. what do we do we hug them we put our arms around them and in that moment we are taking on their negative energy and you know giving them our positive energy so we're making them we're minimizing their pain I get that. By taking it onto our shoulders. And I get that. Not bad in a situation like that, as long as you can release it. I get that. I really because do get we that. we suck it up and yeah. we hold on to it. It's like taking a bomb in our... It's like someone who jumps on a grenade. That's an extraordinary, selfless, heroic yeah. action yeah. that someone takes to sacrifice themselves for others. And that's what older souls or more evolved spirits do. I got you. You know what, Leslie? Um, as we speak, the people that are listening right now, there's so many of us out there. And I hope this part of this show is an enlightenment for them because we got a lot to talk about. And, and as a matter of fact, Leslie, I got a few questions from you for you, okay? Mm -hmm. And... It's just amazing how this works. And you've opened my eyes about a lot of different things. And let me get to a couple questions, okay? Okay, sure. All right, this is from Barbara from Florida. She says, or she asks, Mike, how do I know if I'm psychic? Well, Leslie, answer that for me. Well, that's a really good question. Psychic is... A word that's extremely bandied about and if you've ever watched a movie on psychics they have all these extraordinary magical powers that I wish I had I'm not <laughs> we don't um, I'm not I'm gonna say one thing 
if the Chicago Cubs start winning every year, then I have discovered a magical power because I will make them do that just right. for the relief of Chicago fans. Right. However, in reality, a psychic person is merely someone that has more perception of the magnetic field. Now, there are people that have more taste buds than normal or better vision or more hearing they're capable of hearing notes or nuances that other people can't because they have these the senses. So when we say that intuition is the sixth sense, it is not like Hollywood portrays it. It's just literally ability to sense the magnetic field. Now, as far as, um, and we all call that intuition, everyone has had a flash of intuition a hunch, a gut feeling that was 100% spot on. A psychic is merely someone that has found where that part of their uh, perception is and can willingly go there. Mm -hmm. But what can we do with it? Well, again, not like the movies. You cannot ever read someone who doesn't want to be read. Right. No one... If you broke a window, like in third grade, and you don't want anyone to know about it, I can't walk in your, do a reading with you and say, oh, Mike, what are you holding on to that guilt about the window for? Yeah. No one can invade you like that. Right. No one can take your pin number. Like they had a, a movie where some psychic was hired to walk around and read people's pocketbooks and get their pin number out of it. I don't know. Right. It, I get these crazy things through the mail. And some of the craziest questions I've ever been asked, I always kind of start off by saying, now, did you see this in a movie? And every 100% of the time, they've seen it in a movie. Mm -hmm. And like having a vision, for example, is not like virtual reality. It's just, if you can just quietly sit and picture a giraffe, you know, in Africa, feeding on a tree, that's your visual channel. So mm -hmm. when I get a vision, it's on that channel. It's not like everything is blotted from my eyesight and I only see like I'm standing next to the giraffe. Right. So when someone is psychic, all that means is you have more intuition than normal. And the more, the best way, again, to get in touch with that inner divinity or your inner intuition is through meditation. Gotcha. As horrific as that is, because everyone wants a quick way to get there, you have to quiet the mind. It's like in your brain, you have the equivalent of turning on eight or nine different radio stations to two totally different stations. Exactly. And you got them all blaring. Exactly. And there's one that's soft, and you have to turn down the music to get into the quiet part of your brain. And that's where your inner divinity is, and that's where your intuition is. And intuition is what a psychic uses. Gotcha. All right. That's a great answer. I got two more, okay? Okay. All right. This is from Sheila from New Zealand, and her question is, are tarot cards demonic? Um, no. Okay, the original tarot cards are from, the oldest decks we have are from the 1300s. And they were the property of popes and kings. And they use the medieval Catholic 
mystical symbology. And the reason that that word is brought up is because one of the cards in the deck is called the devil card. You have, um, you have all these different suits, four suits. In fact, our playing cards evolved from the tarot decks from the Middle Ages, which is why people have um, this hesitancy sometimes with playing cards. But in the four suits, there's also 22 cards that show from birth till death the average life for someone. Gotcha. And there's two cards that everyone is terrified of. And if you've ever seen a movie and they have a tarot card reader, they pull out the death card and then the music goes dun 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 and something really bad happens. <laughs> but if you look at the cards allegorically, because they're not supposed to be literal, they're supposed to be allegorical, which means symbolic. Right. And the death card is the, the first card to the last card is the journey from being born right. until you're in your old age, right before, you know, as you're kind of getting old and you're about to die. Not on your deathbed, but, you know, when you get really, really old and supposedly wise. It's supposed to be the journey we take to make sure that our old age is very content and happy. Gotcha. Rather than melting down and getting bitter and angry. Gotcha. So halfway through that deck is the death card. Well, you don't die halfway through your life. You die at the end of your life. So the death card does not symbolize someone dying rather than how if we're going along like we're supposed to be going, we start losing the infatuations and the silliness of youth and we become, it's the beginning of wisdom. The death card's like a graduation card, like, I know the answer. I don't have to run and ask people what to do. I know the answers. So it's supposed to be like the butterfly emerging from the cocoon. It is not physical death, nor is the devil card representing Satan or sin. It has to do with allowing your anger or allowing something else to control you other than your common sense. The devil card is situated in the picture, holding two human beings, a man and a woman, on a leash. Right. But if you look at the leash, the collars are huge. They could take that off and walk away. Right. So it's allowing our senses to, or greed, or lust, or it's like, an, it, it's representing people who have, sold their soul to the devil, and I'm using air quotes on that, by becoming addicted to something and not doing what's in our highest good, which is coming from the heart and coming from the soul. It's people that um, are just, you know, allowing, they're, they're stuck and they won't do anything about it. So it's not have anything to do with the devil. Now, fast forward to a bunch of gypsies. They've got these symbols on the cards, and they can tell someone, oh, you have a curse on you. You pulled the devil card. I can take it off of you for $500. There's no such thing as curses. That gotcha. is the power of suggestion. Gotcha. I got one more question for you, okay? Okay. This is from Ishmael from um, Marrakesh, Morocco. And he asked, I hear and see things that are not normal. It's like... I see things before it happens. Go ahead and elaborate on that. Well, again, that's 
someone who has a lot more intuition than average. I don't like to use the word normal. I prefer to use average. And it's someone that would be good to learn how to really do some deep meditation mm-hmm. and see if you can, When whenever I get stuck, and I get stuck often, it's not like you get to a place where you never get stuck again. I always ask God to send me a teacher, mm-hmm. whether it's a song or an internet article, or I bump into someone that literally is teaching me what I want to learn. It could be in a book. Our teachers are in our books now, mm-hmm. and they're on the internet, and there's a lot of garbage on the internet. So I would say that you really want to cultivate this ability to talk to your guides. I believe we all have like a guardian angel or a spiritual guide or whatever. It's a matter of semantics how you word it, but we have guidance around us 24-7. It's like we have an encyclopedia that the human ego doesn't like to use because I have to do everything myself. We all have that. And it's learning to be open to receive and then also to hesitate before you ask because if we're, we can be shown an illusion that is also wishful thinking and mm-hmm. or fantasizing. Right. So there's a difference between truly having visionary experiences, which I'm sure is what this man is speaking of, right. or wishful thinking, like, oh, this guy asked me out and I really want to go out with him. So what if he's Ted Bundy's brother? You never know. He might be a nice guy. Right. You know? So we can talk ourselves into doing things that we normally would maybe feel a little bit of a hesitancy on. Gotcha. So the most important thing is just learning how to still the mind with prayer and meditation. It's always kind of going back to the same well. Hmm. You know what, my friend? It's always a pleasure. And folks, this is part one of the paranormal with Arthur Intuitive Leslie Jim Lupo. Now, Leslie, uh, let people know where they can purchase your book. Okay. Um, the easiest way to do it is go to Amazon. And the title is Remember Every Breath is Precious. And also, I have a lot of information on my webpage, which is Leslie Joan Lupo, but spelling Leslie L E S L E Y Joan. J-O-A-N, Lupo, L-U-P-O, dot com. I have a lot of information. There's a link to buy the book. And it it has just pages and pages. So, again, this is part one, folks. And if you have any questions for the next phase of this, part two, episode two, email me at searchingforthetruth at proton.mail. No, let me say it again. Searching for the truth 2021 at proton.mail. I mean, .com. Goodness, Leslie, you got me all shaken up today. <laughs> so again, one more time. Searching for the truth 2021 at protonmail.com. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Always a pleasure. And I look forward to part two. This is Mike the Truth. <laughs>